How's it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio with another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Penland, coming to you live on Tuesday, January 21st, 2022. I am joined, guys. He's back with a mustache, Ben Gorowitz. <laughs> ben, say what's up to the people. It's good to be back, man. I've had a little hiatus during the the end of the NBA regular season and, and uh, NBA playoffs, but uh, I'm back. My boy, Clay Thompson, got another ring for himself. Didn't look great, but got another ring, so I'm happy for him. Um, you know, I, I'm happy for the Warriors. I, I, the Warriors to me are very likable. Like I, Draymond is Absolutely. the classic example of you hate him, but if he's on your team, <laughs> you love him. I don't know how anyone hates Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry's in the category of Patrick Mahomes, where if someone hates him, they hate him because of his wife. Um, <laughs> and then Clay, Boston fans have a right to hate Clay now because he he chirped them with Draymond about their fans. He's a little sensitive, but in general, Clay is a likable player because he doesn't usually talk. So um, Clay's been my favorite player forever. You know that most people know that. So I'm happy that he got his fourth ring. Um, all three of those guys are Hall of Famers easily. So. Yeah, and I love, too, how they chirped Memphis as well. I thought that was pretty funny yeah. how they went at all them. But ultimately, though, I agree with you, man. Like, I loved how drunk Clay was yesterday, too, at the celebration <laughs> because, I mean, like, no, nobody had it tougher than Clay with all the injuries and everything. The fact that he was able to win another ring, I mean, just makes it that much sweeter for him. So pretty much every every year that Clay Thompson's been active, the Warriors have gone to the NBA Finals since they had Steve Kerr as their head coach. So there you go with that. But anyway, guys. Um, not going to lie. We did do a lot of podcasts during the NBA playoffs. It's kind of tough when I have to go to the office and work all day and then I'll come home and record something. And by the time I put it out, games tip off at seven and it's already old news because they've already played again. So it's kind of, you know, tough to put content out every day with that, but football, we back on a regular schedule, but guys this week, NBA drafts coming up. Y'all know what it is. Third year in a row, man, me and Ben NBA mock draft. On today's show, we're going to give you all our one through 10. We're just going to do the top 10 picks. We're going to give you all our top three guys that will go drop outside of the lottery that will go. And then after that, we got some trades. And you know what, Ben? I was thinking about this at work today. You know what? I think the most fun part of the entire NBA season is. The chaos that comes with it. I think it's like the off season and the trade deadline. Cause it's the most fun to speculate about trades and things that probably will never happen. But I mean, it's still entertaining to talk about for hours on end, you know? Usually there's like one big move that everyone's kind of like or one or two big moves that everyone's kind of expecting. So like this case would be like, so what does Kyrie Irving do? Uh, that's going to be talked about every day on sports center until he makes the decision uh, for us local, like Hawks fans, like it's going to be the John Collins news until something yep. gets done. And then once like the big things kind of happen, it like usually turns into a wildfire. Mm -hmm. No, I would agree with you completely. I mean, it's always crazy. I, th I think that if anything that this year and just in the future, we're going to keep seeing as much like parody as possible. Or I wouldn't say parody, but we're going to keep seeing, you know, like a it's lot, a copycat of, yeah, a lot yeah. of crazy moves and stuff happening in the off season, you know, just because like these teams realistically, they either just want to be really good or really bad. I mean, we see it now in the MLB. It's the same thing here. The NFL is a little different, honestly. I mean, there are a couple teams that want to be really bad. But, you know, especially in the NBA, man, like you see these teams just like completely give up and pack it in. So I think we're going to see a lot of teams, you know, selling players off and whatnot. And I'll kind of, you know, revisit that a little bit in the in the uh, in my trade mock trades we have and stuff. But so, guys, for, for our mock draft, I told Ben, I was like, look, we can go by whatever we, we hear is going to happen and whatnot. Let's go by if we're the GM pick by pick what we're doing with the pick probably be a lot of trades. I know Ben has two trades. I have a trade in my mock draft. I have more trades that include draft night, but let's put it this way, guys. I think it's going to be a crazy off season. I think we're going to see a ton of moves happen. I think there's going to be a, probably the most movement we've seen in the history of the league so far. We've built it up enough, Ben. Let's get into it, man. We'll start out rather than going in reverse order with starting out in a more overall pick. Look, I can't lie, Ben. I don't know if you saw or not with the gambling odds for this number one overall pick. By the way, guys, the Orlando Magic are officially on the clock. Me and Ben are both the GM for the Magic. But Paulo Bancaro went from from uh, twenty five to one to be the first pick, all the way down to the nine to one, down to four to one earlier. Um, Jabari Smith went from I think he was like at minus two thirty at one point in time to like plus one or to like minus one fifteen. Chet's a short is like a plus one sixty to go at number one. Ben, who are you taking at number one and why? I've been saying that we every time we did a college basketball podcast, I said the best player in college basketball is Jabari Smith from Auburn. I, I would pick him. Um, it goes with, and all three of these guys are really 
tall and long players, but that's mm-hmm. what the Magic have really drafted over the years. Like, yep. so I mean, like the, going back to like Jonathan Isaac, they traded for Marco Fultz. I remember when he was coming out of the draft, people were talking about his long wingspan. Um, didn't they draft Michael Carter Williams, the Magic, or did they, um, they get no. him from the Sixers? They got him from the Sixers. No, the Sixers traded the Sixers traded him. His like fourth stop, I think, was in Orlando. He became a journeyman after the Sixers, though. Right. I mean, so they eventually got him. They got Mo Bamba. So it's like they just like a lot of length in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. All three of these guys fit into what we've seen from the Magic. I would go Jabari. I think he's the best player. I think he was the best player in college basketball. Um, I, I don't think there's anything he can't do on the court. So. Uh, I just think he's a. I think he's an immediate impact player. I think if he gets drafted, I think he has a very good chance to win Rookie of the Year. Because I think the Magic, like, if we're being honest, I don't think they're like that far off. They just need to get healthy. Like we know what Jonathan Isaac can do. He just hasn't been healthy in like a year and a half, almost two years. So uh, we saw what Marco Fultz could do in like a thirty to forty game stretch, and then he got hurt again. So I don't think the Magic's roster is horrible. There's worse rosters out there. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Cole Anthony has a shot at being a multi-time all-star in his career. I was um, wrong on him. Boy, yeah, was I wrong I on think, him. I uh, think Jalen Suggs, I mean, that was a yeah. guy me and you were very high on. I think he's going to figure it out and put it all together. Um, I mean, I like – I like uh, I love Franz Wagner. I actually think he's your prototypical, uh, like, four-man in the NBA. I think he's the perfect fit. I think he's going to be a multi-time all-star. I think Wendell Carter Jr. is a good player, too. Like, I think the Magic have a lot of pieces, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I really have struggled all day to put, and might put my finger on who I'm taking, but because I'm the GM here, I don't disagree with you, Ben. And I think that the Jabari will Jabari will probably be the guy called on draft night. I'm gonna take Chet here. Look, I just think the upside is out of the room for both these guys. But the thing is with Chet, the way I look at it is, I feel like at Gonzaga, there's the first time that he wasn't the number one option. I feel like that you know he had to play with another big man with Timmy. I feel like that was tough for him. I think by going to Orlando and a team that's still young and kind of growing together, I think it gives him that two to three window and opportunity. Look, all you hear is everybody say Chet Holmgren needs to put on weight. I'm sure it doesn't take a rocket science just to tell that Chet Holmgren, and I'm sure he knows that because he's, yeah. he's he's a rocket scientist as far as I'm concerned. But Chet Holmgren is who I'm taking here at the pick, guys. I just think the potential's out the room. I think he can be like a better version of Porzingis. The NBA is moving towards these unicorn kind of guys. I think worst case, he's like Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, we'll hear it on draft time a million times. So we might as well talk about it now. He's got the connection with Jalen Suggs. Mm-hmm. They was like the same high school, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And also, Suggs wow. wasn't even thought to be a one-and-done guy. So technically, he went to Gonzaga to play with Suggs, but Suggs was already out because of how well he played. Yeah, so I mean, that'll be talked about on draft night. Yeah, no, I think let's put it this way: I think either way, the Magic can't go wrong. But Ben Jalen Suggs might be there just to cheer Chet on. I mean, no, exactly. That's why I think it's a good thing, you know, to put guys together that want to play together. I think that's the biggest thing: is you want guys who want to be there, they want to play together, and you want them to buy in to the Magic culture. Next up here, we have the number two pick with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, Look, I can't lie, Ben. Unfortunately for the Magic, I think the worst thing for them is the fact that Thunder have to pick after them. Sam Presti, in my opinion, is one of those guys. And I think whoever he picks will be the best player out of the entire draft. I mean, like the two guys we centered in on right there, I'm going to go the opposite here. I'm going Jabari Smith at this pick. I think Jabari's going to go there. I think he's going to fit in perfectly with what they already have with Josh Giddy and with the um, and with SGA, Puko, all those other guys. I think this is going to be a Dort. great Yeah, Dort. Like, I think this is going to – I think Dort might be on the move, but I think it's going to be a great fit regardless for them. And I think the Thunder are going to be absolutely loaded up here, and they're going to be hyped to get Jabari Smith in the building. I think he fits great. I think that the skills he brings, you know, I think him and SGA can be that scoring duo, and Giddy's the perfect passer to get them both involved. I think that this is going to be their big three moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Even if they move Dort, I still think they get a, a good – uh, value back from for he sure proved so much when he came in the league. I, I'm I'm the opposite of you. I had Jabari one, so I had Chet too. Yeah. Um, I don't need to really add anything. The only thing I'll add is if Chet comes into uh the Thunder, listen, the weight thing it is what it is. Chet can play some defense. He can block a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. That def- that team defensively, if they keep Dort, is not going to be fun to play against. It's just not your random Wednesday night game or something on NBA TV. You're playing the Thunder. They're going to hold some team to like under 40 at halftime. I mean, they're going to – between SGA, Dort, who's one of the uh, better premier defenders, and then um, how is Giddy on defense? I know he's more of like a versatile offensive player, but 
Um, I would assume he's pretty good because I know at one point in time that OKC had like a huge under streak and like they had a good defense there for a while. Yeah. OKC actually played pretty well until for like, young yeah, it will also until like, you know, it kind of got to be like 40 games deep and you're like, all right, like we've probably won enough games. Let's chill out. And then they started like SGA <laughs> stop playing. You know what I mean? Like until we got to tank t- time of the season, they were a decently competitive team, you know, so. I like the pick personally. I think this team will be competitive quicker than people think. Um, number three, we have the Houston Rockets on the clock. I mean, I think that it's pretty obvious here who the top three are. Ben, who are you taking here? Yeah, I'm taking Paolo Bancaro. I, I think he fits perfectly with this team. Him and Jalen Green as a duo, I think, is great news for Houston Rockets fans because um, they're just going to run. That team's going to run the floor like crazy. Um, so I think it's a perfect fit. Paolo is – Paolo was tremendous at Duke. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. He could get better at shooting, sure, but like everyone can going into the NBA. He's going to improve. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see a little more defense and going to the Rockets. They didn't play much defense last year, but they could <laughs> score a lot of points. And so, um, yeah, I think it's a good duo. Um, I would go Paolo Vanguero plus the Rockets at three. Yeah, I don't have much more to add. I let's put it this way: I was a little skeptical on on Ben Carroll. I even told Ben I was pretty skeptical on him. The more and more I watched him play, especially in March Madness, I thought he really stepped up and played a lot better. And you know, at the end of the day, Duke had a target on their back. Everybody wanted to be that team to not coach K and the boys out of the tournament. And they kept playing, playing, playing. So, you know, I like I I, I got to agree with you here, man. There's no way I can go against Duke here in this one. Do the Do the Rockets have a second first round pick later? Yeah, they have a bunch of picks. Them and OKC pick a couple times. I'm pretty sure. If they had, if they have like a late first round pick, and I'm talking like you know one of the, like the last five picks, or whatever. I don't hate the idea of getting Bancaro and Mark Williams pairing them up again. Williams will probably be gone. I've seen him go in middle first round. I've seen I've seen middle to late. I'm just saying, like if it's I don't know where their second pick. Yeah. Is. I just thought they had a second first. I round know pick. they have the Dallas pick. They may even have another pick though, because they worked all those trades. They took on John Wall. You know, like last year when they traded James Harden and everything, they took on all that stuff. So yeah, yeah not pay John Wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he opted in. Of Shocking. course he did. Yeah, yeah, he'd be stupid not to. Um, next up here with the fourth overall pick. Sacramento. This is where Kings. it gets interesting. Yeah, this is really where it starts to get interesting. Ben, what are you doing here? You got a trade, or you got them taking a pick? If they don't trade, I w- I would take Jaden Ivy. Uh, or Jaden Jalen. Jaden Ivy. Yeah, Jaden Ivy. I would take him. I think I think it's honestly a no brainer. I would probably trade back. But I also think that if you pair, like if you if you build around Darren Fox, who's already signed long term, mm-hmm. Sabonis, who I think is long-term because I think he signed with the Pacers and then came over. Yeah. Um, and then Ivy. I, what's wrong with that threesome? Like, what's – you're telling me you can't at least compete one year, and then when Ivy gets in year two, you're telling me you can't – you should be able to make a playoff team with those three, I feel like. So, it, it depends on what the offer would. I would definitely do what the Kings are doing right now, and I would call most teams and say, what are you willing to give me for the fourth pick? If I get – you know, a, 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 a good player in return and a later first round pick for this year and a pick for next year, I would do it. But if it doesn't make sense, I don't, like I wouldn't overthink this. Ivy is sitting right there. And, you, I mean, you know, I've talked to you multiple times. He's one of my – he's probably my – he's in my top three of favorite players in the drafts. I'll get to Same. the – he's probably my third favorite player in the draft. I'll tell you who my second one is when I get to him in the top ten. I wouldn't overthink it. I think he's going to be really good with how explosive he is. I just don't think people can guard him one-on-one. I, he's similar to like what Jalen Green could do to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't overthink it. I would probably draft Ivy, but I would field my options for sure. Yeah, I would field my options for sure. I actually like Ivy a lot too. I think there's really like five for sure. And then you know, I, th- I think this draft is very like stacked at the top of it. I think there's a lot of talent and whatnot. And I think Ivy's really, I mean, to be honest with you, like I could even make, sit here and, like, and make reasoning right now. Why I think Ivy should go number one overall. It just is at the end of the day, like I, we were texting earlier, you know, at the same time, a lot of these teams want to draft off potential. And I mean, I think Ivy's going to be damn good. I just don't know. Like, you know what I mean? You either want like a big man who's going to like defend and give you offense, or you want a point guard who's going to assist and score points. Ivy's just the pure scorer, you know? Yeah. I think Ivy's a beast. I wouldn't overthink it here if I'm the Kings. I'm taking Ivy. I will say, though, in my three trades for later, I have an absurd trade. I just thought I was like really trying hard to think of some 
good trades. And I thought I cooked this one up. So I'm going to save it for later. But if I'm the GM, I'm taking Ivy here, not doing the trades. Um, fifth pick here is the Detroit Pistons. First of all, first thing I want to say is, man, I would love to see somehow Jaden Ivy go play with Cade Cunningham. Him and Cade Cunningham yes. would instantly be one of the best duos in the league, in my opinion. I'm talking like top three. Do you do like that? I, the Pistons could probably make the playoffs next year if they got him. But I have Keegan Murray going here. Look, I think Keegan Murray's a really good player. The more and more I liked him, the more and more I watched his game. He's your prototypical stretch four in the NBA. He's long. He can shoot the three ball. He can handle it. He can score. He can play a little defense. I think Keegan Murray's going to be a guy who's going to be even better in the NBA. I think it's a no-brainer here. They take Keegan Murray at five. I have my second favorite player in this draft. I think he fits with Katie Cunningham. I think you're going to like this. Benedict Matherin. Okay. Arizona is one of my favorite players. He, he's my second – I, even though he went to Auburn, I'm an Alabama guy. Uh, Jabari Smith, I loved watching that guy play basketball. So he he was one for me. Benedict is two, and Ivy would be three. Uh, in just terms of like guys that I liked watching in college, yeah. I don't know what this guy can't do. You talk about a quick step, he's got it. He's a better shooter than Jaden Ivy. Um, he's a way better defender. He was a great defender in college. He's got a lot of length. I think you pair him and Cade together, and that's a deep, that's like a good all-around like offense, defense, facilitating, because he was the guy at Arizona that they passed the ball around a lot, but he was mm-hmm. the main guy that had the ball in his hands. He was their main playmaker. Uh, him and um, the big man, like Coco, whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh, those were the two main scorers. And so, you know, uh, especially when Kerr, the point guard, got hurt late in the season. So, listen, I saw everything I needed to see from Benedict Matherin, especially in March Madness when he – uh, was it the Elite Eight game or Sweet Sixteen game where he forced overtime? And then the TCU game in the, the TCU round of thirty-two. Game. Yeah, he's round of thirty-two. Yeah, he took over that game. I, mm. I was so impressed with him, and I'd already liked him before that. I, you know, he added the clutch gene into my brain, so I, I think <laughs> it's a really good fit for for the Pistons because it adds a lot of athleticism, a lot of playmaking, and a lot of defense. Yeah, no, I mean, I love the pick, honestly. Yeah, I like Matherin, too. I mean, he's six foot six, which is another thing I like, too, out of a guard that's going to attack and get to the rim and can shoot the ball. But, yeah, you know, I, I like the pick, honestly. I really do. I, I'm still, you know, sitting here looking at these mock drafts, and I'm trying to figure out how that he's not going as soon as he is. That's why at – actually, I have him falling a couple more picks. We'll get to him here soon. Um I don't think they could go wrong, though, with that pick. Um, at number six, though, we have the Indiana Pacers on the clock. Ben, who do you have the Pacers taking? I like Keegan Murray on this one. But okay. all, the re- all the reasons you said. Um, I- I'm a big fan of Jay Billis. I think he's very, very smart. I think he's very good at, like, just scouting and just, watch, you know, knowing who's mm-hmm. what. He-, he has said from the from the college basketball season, and he's still saying it now, he thinks Keegan Murray's the, the most ready NBA player to contribute right away. Um, that's what the Pacers need. And I think yeah. if the Pacers do go the route of – the rumors that they're swirling of possibly getting rid of Miles Turner or and or uh, Brogdon, I think they need just a guy that can just come in and click right away. You mm-hmm. mentioned he does everything. He shot, 50, I believe, he shot fifty four percent from threes last year. He also had a he also had a good uh, post game, good footwork in the post, had a mid range shot, and he plays pretty good defense. He averaged like eight boards, I think, in college this past season. Yeah. So he's pretty good rebounder. He can score. He was a good passer. He did it all for Iowa and. Obviously, unfortunately, they didn't shoot the ball well in March Madness. That's why they went home early. But he was a terrific player. Um, and I think he – I'm going to listen to Jay Billis. If Jay Billis thinks he's the most NBA ready for right away, mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. So uh, I yeah. think he's a good fit for Indiana. He's going to work hard. Oh, for sure. No, I like that pick a lot. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've struggled here with the Pacers pick. I could have put Mather in there. They um, might trade there. Like if they trade Brogdon, like they could do Brogdon and this pick and get him. A lot. Yeah, they might try to even move up more down there. So, but I mean, I ended up putting Shaden Sharp here, the Kentucky guy who ended up sitting out on the air. From what I've heard, if he had actually played, he would go number one overall. I've seen him fall down draft boards. I've seen him go in as soon as the fourth pick. I've seen him go fifth to the Pistons. I really don't know what to make of him, so I stuck him here for the Pacers. I think he could fit well next to Halliburton, potentially, especially since I think Brogdon and, and uh, Turner are as good as gone at this point. I think the Pacers – so there's a guy, Victor Wambignana. He's from France. Yeah. He's the – everybody, like, apparently – he's anointed as, like, the next coming for next year's NBA draft. I think the Pacers are kind of one of those teams we talked about that's going to want to be on the bad side. 
I could see them trying shooting their shot on Sharp here and seeing if he can. Because I mean, if he fits well next to Halliburton, that's a duo you got right there. Then you throw in the seven-two big man from France down low. You instantly have a great three, and they got Jalen Smith over as well. Who I mean, I thought played pretty decent as well as the season kept going on. So ultimately, though, I think that I think that could be a good move here for the uh, Pacers. Number seven, the Portland Trailblazers. What you got to say? Jalen Smith, the guy that worked the goggles that went to Maryland? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked his game a lot. I actually thought he was a bust at first when he came out, but then when he got to play more when the Suns had COVID and he got traded, I was like, I'm actually impressed here with this guy. Um, number seven pick here, the Blazers are on the clock. I'll go first on this one, Ben, since I have a trade coming. Look, I don't think it makes any sense for the Blazers to make a, make a pick here. They have the most cap space in the NBA. They can take guys on. I have a couple more trades that I'm going to shoot my shot on later on in the board as well, but I'm going to have this trade right here. I have them trading the number seven pick to the Pistons for Jeremy Grant in return. The Pistons are going to select Ben Matherin and are the pit. Yeah. The Pistons select Ben Matherin and slot him in there with Cade Cunningham. So I actually had the same thought process you did, Ben. I like yeah. Matherin in there or Shaden Sharp, whichever one of those guys is still available. I have them pairing him with Kate Cunningham. Then you get Keegan Murray, Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart. You instantly have a, have a nasty young core to build around. I think it'd be a home run move for the Pistons. And honestly, I think Jeremy Grant brings a lot to the table that is definitely worth the seventh overall pick. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said. I, I think it's dumb if the Blazers don't trade back because if you're – they're not one player away. They're like four players away from even competing. So uh, I would definitely trade back, acquire more picks, um, get the best deal that you can get. That, you know, if they don't trade, they need shooting. And I would probably look at the Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Um, but – they need a lot more than what Johnny Davis can bring to the table. So I would definitely trade back. Yeah. By the way, we'll talk, actually we'll talk about Johnny Davis here in a second. You know what? I'll go ahead and leak my pick at number eight. The Pelicans will be on the clock and that's who I have them taking here is Johnny Davis. I don't understand why all these draft boards of Johnny Davis falling down the board. I mean, before he got hurt, he was literally Wisconsin's entire team. I'm pretty sure Wisconsin got knocked out in the second. They got knocked out early. It was either the second round or the sweet 16. And he was, remember he was hurt. He hurt his foot and he hurt it right before the big 10 tournament. But when he was playing, I mean, he was borderline player of the year. He's big. He's athletic. I mean, he's your prototypical small forward in the NBA. He can shoot the three ball. Well, he could get it off the dribble. He's a smart player. I feel like Johnny Davis is a great player. So I feel like he's one of the guys who's better in the NBA. You know, like you watch Wisconsin's offense and a lot of the Big Ten. It can be a real, like, congested, low-scoring, ugly basketball game. I feel like in the NBA with all the spacing and rules and stuff that it benefits a guy like Davis and only makes him better. Did he not win co-Big Ten player of the year with Keegan Murray? No, he did. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Um, So, I mean, I I like that pick a lot. Assuming – just because I don't want to, like, assume a trade. So I had Johnny Davis, let's just say I had him going to the Blazers if they don't trade. So let's say he's off the yeah. board. Um, so I have, like, it was two names, whoever's available. The Pelicans, you know me. I, I wasn't a huge fan of this kid. But everyone is so high on his upside. So I just went with A.J. Griffin from Duke. Maybe he's going to be better in the pros. I feel like he wasn't great at Duke. I feel like he was one of those mm-hmm. really good shooters that wasn't a really good shooter. Like, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't like totally impressed with him. I, I watched multiple Duke games and I was like, he's the fifth best player on the team. Like I was, I thought Jeremy Roach, who obviously it's different NBA, but like I thought Jeremy Roach was a better college player in, in last for last season than AJ Griffin was. When I was, no, I agree with you completely. Like I remember me and you were talking back and forth about Duke and we were like, I don't know if I see it with these Let's guys. Let's go like, through it. Ba- Paolo Bencaro, Mark Williams, Jeremy Roach. Uh, Trevor Keels. Tre- uh, Keels before the injury, obviously. Yeah. He, he like limped in the late part of the season. So that's four right there. I'm taking all those guys. I think all those guys had a better season than AJ Griffin. Now, there's a reason why he's top 10 on every mock draft that you look on because apparently his upside's huge. So I'm not going to argue with the experts. So I have him in mind. It's just maybe he's going to shoot better in the purse. I just, I mean, listen, the fifth best player of that Duke team, that Duke team is like the best recruiting class ever. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I just thought he would have been a better shooter. All I keep hearing is how good of a shooter he is. I, I didn't really see it. 
Yeah, it could have been the lack of like point guard putting in good position Reddish to succeed. You know, yeah, exactly. Reddish was supposed to be a great shooter. But the the thing I do like about Griffin though is when I look at him is his wingspan. Like he has that wingspan, and the fact he has the shooting and stuff to go with it tells me he's gonna be a good three and D guy. I have him going in the middle of the lottery, like outside of the top ten. But I don't right. think he'll. I don't think he'll make it. I don't think he'll fall out of the lottery. But I do. I don't hate that pick at all for them. Um, number nine here. Who do you have the Spurs taking? I have Sharp, uh, the Kentucky, not okay. Kentucky kid that you just talked about. So I don't need to add more to him. Um, I did re- just read about him. Apparently, he he looked good in uh, in some of the tryouts he had recently. And one of the teams that was named was the Spurs. Um, this just feels like a Spurs pick. They're not taking an international guy. Like they're just going to take a guy that has no highlight tape from college and make him great somehow. So um, I like think Primo. this is <laughs> what, like Primo. Well, Primo did play the whole year of college. Yeah but he was 18 when they drafted him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, listen, the Spurs, just they just need shooting. I mean, everyone, you can't have enough shooting in today's NBA. Um, I don't love the rest of the big men that, like, I had on my board at this point, so I, I went guard. Um, is Sharp, how tall is he? Is he, like, 6'6"? Six, 6'5", six? Six, five, six, six, yeah. 6'5", six, okay, so he's a, you know, combo kind of guard. Um, so I went Sharp here. I, I don't ever try to get in the heads of, like, Bill Belichick, Greg Popovich. I, they just make no sense in moves, and they always work out, it seems like. So uh, I, I want Sharp just because I know they need shooting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if Sharp's still there, I agree with that pick completely. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Ben. I really feel like basketball, like if this guy was uh, – this guy would probably go top five if that Steph Curry never happened. But because Steph Curry happened, this guy now sits in like the middle of the lottery to maybe even the like like almost to the, maybe even sit on the board until 20th pick. I'm going with Jalen Duran here. Spurs need a big man. This guy dominated Chet. He dominated Drew Timmy. I mean, he was a force in the middle for Memphis when he was on the floor. I feel like he really came out and played his best basketball in the biggest moments and on the biggest stages. I think it's a no-brainer here for the Spurs who lack size in the middle. Yeah. Um, the only thing to worry about him is he's an athletic guy. I'm worried about him on the defensive end. I think he just needs more coaching. I think he's always just been the most athletic guy so that yeah. if a guy burned past him, he could probably block the shot from behind. Defense in the NBA, when they do play, you're going to have to move your feet a little bit more laterally. So um, I just feel like he might get taken advantage of on switches, but I agree with you. Like I think his upside is great. I think his offensive ability is great. Um, as long as he's coachable, that's that you have to be coachable to play yep. and be successful in the Spurs. I don't know what it's like because I, all I know about the Memphis basketball culture is that it's illegal. So I agree. Penny Hardaway's literally gotten a recruiting violation every single year he's been the head coach. Yeah, Penny is not, and he hasn't done much with the talent he's had. Um, last pick here on our big board the Washington Wizards, 10th pick. Ben, who are they taking and why? I don't know much about this kid, but I went Dyson Daniels, who was from the, the G League. Yep. Um, Australian. People's, people seem to really like this kid. Um, and I, I forget who they were kind of comparing him to, but I just feel like, first of all, Bradley Beal needs a lot more help than just the number 10 pick. And he's if he's willing to stay there, I think – First, give him a facilitator because him and Westbrook did work out. I just feel like I want Brad Beal taking on with every shot that gets put up. Yeah. With him, him, Denny. Um, they have a big man that's pretty good. I'm blanking on his name. They have Porzingis now. They have Hachimura. Hachimura. And then I think they have like a center who I thought was pretty good. Not um, Thomas Bryant, Daniel Gafford. Thomas Bryant. No, I was thinking of Thomas Bryant who had a pretty good year. So I just think if you get – a pick and roll type player, facilitator. I think it. I think it benefits them. Just let Denny and Bradley. If Bradley Beal doesn't have the ball, I want the ball in his hands from the Wizards GM. But if he doesn't have the ball, I want them on the wings so that this guy can do a pick and roll with Thomas Bryant or Porzingis, and then just kind of kick it out to Beal. But um, I need to do a little bit more research on him. But I've seen him in, in a lot of top ten, a lot of uh, mock draft top tens in the lottery. So I threw him in my number ten. 
Yeah, not a bad pick at all. I definitely don't hate your thought process there. I think Di he was one of the guys I struggled with not putting in my top 10. So I'll give you guys, fill you guys in a little bit. Apparently, he grew two inches while he was in the G League. He's Australian. Apparently, shoots it decently well, can put it on the floor a little bit, but they like him for his defense on the wing, and that's really what he's supposed to be is like a big-time wing defender. So that's what teams like in him and think his offensive game will come along. I think he's like an athletic freak with like a good uh, wingspan and whatnot. Um for my pick here, I'm going to go with Jeremy Sohan from Baylor. Sohan, Ben, I know you remember as well as I do, was knocking heads around in that game against North Carolina. I think he kind of has like that mentality a little bit, almost like a like he's like that tough guy, big man, who's going to battle he's, and get all the rebounds. His motor doesn't run out. Yeah, like a Draymond and like Dennis Rodman type motor. I really think that's what he has in him, and I think that he'd be a great guy for the Wizards to pick up and add here is I think they need some help and they need a motor guy like that. Um. And they definitely need more effort on the floor other than Beal. He, he can't do everything. No, I agree with you completely on that, Ben. Um, let's keep things moving, though, here. Let's go to our guys going outside of the lottery. Obviously, I didn't have A.J. Griffin and some of the guys like Mark Williams stuff because I think they'll go in the lottery. But, Ben, for our three best guys who are going to slide out of the lottery that we still think will be impactful guys, you want to go number? You want to go first here for your first guy? Yeah, so I, all three of mine are big names uh, that the casual college basketball fan will know. I don't know if they're all going to fall out of the lottery, but I'm, I checked three three different mock draft boards, and this first guy was in a different spot in all of them. Yeah. I'm going Ty Ty Washington. Okay. The reason is simple, because Kentucky players just are successful in the NBA. Um, I like this kid's offensive game. Like, he – who was uh severe wheeler? Like a, no, um, no, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but anyway, like, I, I think this guy can play in the pick and roll. I think he can mm -hmm. score. I uh, I just thought of like Tyrus Maxey is who he kind of reminds me of, honestly. Okay, I think his like if you if you go back, like how he gets open and creates separation in college was amazing. Yeah, he's got good speed, but his step back was beautiful, his, his dribble drive was beautiful. Um, Really, when Kentucky needed a bucket, he was one of the top guys that they'd go to. So mm -hmm. um, I'm just trusting that Cal puts a lot of talent in the NBA. Uh, if he doesn't fall out of the lottery, then it doesn't make sense for this podcast. But if he does, I think he can be a solid player. He's I on the shorter side. He's on the shorter side. He doesn't play much defense. But offensively, I do think he can score in this league. Yeah, I actually think that's a good pick. I think he'll probably go 17 to like 25. So I think he'll be out of the lottery. Um, I went with Malachi Branham. Honestly, if the if the Hawks use their pick, this is the guy that I would hope they would choose with their pick. But Branham showed it against Villanova, man. He can fill it up. He can shoot out the gym. He's like 6'5 with a nice long wingspan. He's a true freshman, too, and he's coming straight in this draft. I think he's probably going to go in like that 16 to 20 range. And I think he's a guy who can come off the bench, you know, and be your sixth, seventh guy and get you some buckets and games. And I mean, he wasn't scared of the moment. In that Villanova game, he was draining threes and kept Ohio State in that game the entire time. So he's I think a big time recruit. I believe he was a five star. Yeah, he was. That's what I'm saying, man. I think Branham's that guy. So that's who I have on there is Malachi Branham. So the my second guy is also someone who I wouldn't mind the Hawks drafting is uh -huh. OJ, OJ Abaje from Kansas. Okay. I, this kid was so impressive just all season long. And if you go back to his freshman year, stay four years at Kansas, you go back to his freshman year and look at how he uh, progressed from freshman year to sophomore year, sophomore year to junior year, junior to senior year. It's amazing how much hard work he had to put in to put up these numbers. Um, the way Bill Self talks about him is like he's one of the most special players he's ever coached. It, it was it's insane. His tournament run was magical. Obviously, Kansas won the title. Main reason he was one of the main reasons. I mean, um, I like him because he does everything. He plays great defense. He rebounds pretty well for a guard. He can shoot lights out, and I think the Hawks need that. I mean, so I wouldn't mind if the Hawks get him. I think he could back up a Kevin Herter for year one and then kind of take over after that. Or maybe back up a DeAndre Hunter and then, and then kind of find his way into more of a rotation after that. So I think he'd be a solid pickup for the Hawks. I like your I like your guy from Ohio State that the Hawks could pick up. So I, I he's I, this dude just seems like a winner to me. No, I agree with you completely. I like that one. I actually had him going in the lottery still. That's the only yeah, reason why he might, he yeah, might sweep in. Yeah, he could very well as fall out, though. I think that'd be a great pickup, though. I would not mind that at all. The only thing that scares me a little bit with him, though, is I think that he – like, I think he has a low floor. Like, I think he – I know for a fact he's going to be able to play in the NBA, but I just don't think he's going to be much more than, like, you know, like your fifth starter, like three-point shooter and defense guy. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's pretty set at that. 
Um, I went with for my next for my next guy is Blake Wesley from Notre Dame. He's like a point guard, shooting guard kind of guy. Actually, when I watched Notre Dame play, this guy really stood out to me. He's lanky. He's a freshman. He's athletic. He can shoot it a little bit. I just felt like he had a motor when I watched him play, and he was an athletic freak. Like he was the type of guy that if you turned on their game, you knew he was on the floor, and he was kind of taking the game over. And that's what I want to see out of a freshman going to the NBA draft. I think there's a lot of potential and a lot of upside if he gets drafted by the right team in a year or two. You know, I think he could be a starter for you and a big time impactful player just on both ends of the floor. So I've had Blake Wesley on here. Notre Dame, I mean, he was a big part of Notre Dame going further than expected mm-hmm. in March Magnus. No, absolutely. Um, Ben, go ahead and give us your third guy and then I'll go. You know, this is one of my favorite this was one of my favorite players from college, Andrew Nemhard, point guard okay. from Gonzaga. I love him because his point, his assist to turnover ratio is off the charts, and that plays huge in college. If you're a backup point guard coming off the bench, just trying to get good good minutes while the starters get their rest, don't turn the ball over. You're always going to see the floor. Um, it's honestly, I think, a main reason why Austin Reeves got drafted from Oklahoma. Or he got undrafted, but I meant got minutes because he doesn't yeah. turn the ball over. He had the best assist to turnover ratio in college basketball when he played for Oklahoma. Andrew Nemhart's had that for two years running. He's had one of the best. So um, this was this was a guy that played right next to Jalen Suggs and honestly was still a star on Gonzaga State. He wasn't the main guy, Suggs and Timmy were, but he was right there with him with, with putting up big buckets, um, not turning the ball over, kind of running the ship when Jalen Suggs didn't have the ball in his hands because Jalen Suggs could play on and off. So I think Andrew Nemhart could be, honestly, he could fall out of the first round. And I still think he can play good minutes for a team. I like that pick a lot, actually, Ben. I agree with you. You'll probably go out of the first round, but I think those are all good reasons. I did not even think of that one. That's a nice find by you right there. Uh, even the Austin Reeves comparison, that's pretty good right there. I didn't even think about that. Um, I was torn between two guys. Um, there's Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. He was a guy who played point guard, who um, or kind of played, you know, like guard growing up was small. He grew a bunch of inches right before he came to the NBA. They love his ability to shoot as he shot over 40% from the field. He's a guy I've heard is going down the board a lot. I've been, it's been reported a lot, but you know what? I'm going to go with Walker Kessler here. The same reasons, kind of. I had Jalen Duran falling. Walker Kessler was the deep was the college basketball blocks leader, and you could argue he was one of the guys who led Auburn to being so well with his defense and rebounding. I think Walker Kessler is a starting center level guy in this draft, and he will go at the late end of the first round. And whoever gets him is he's going to be their center and probably play twenty minutes or so the following year and be their starter and be a damn good center too. I think Walker Kessler is an absolute steal and is being disrespected just because everybody wants these upside guards rather than going for these big. Is he too slow? Is probably the the weakness that he has. Yeah, I mean, he is a little slow, but at the end of the day, if I'm playing against Joel Embiid, he's definitely an option I would love to have to throw in there. You know what I mean? Or if I'm going against Giannis, shit, I would love to have Walker Kessler sitting on my bench to throw in there to clog the help me clog the lane. You know? What's underrated about him is he got coached by Roy Williams slash Hubert Davis, and he also got coached by Bruce Pearl. So. The knowledge that he probably gained in his two years of college is I mean, he got coached by yeah. some of the better coaches in the sport. So uh, I'm sure he's learned the game e- even more. And, and Bruce Pearl got the max potential out of him like I've never seen before. So uh, he was he was a menace to to, to have uh, my Crimson Tide have to go against. They don't, <laughs> they don't go in the paint all that often, but when they do, they couldn't get anything over him. Yeah, man, that's what happens when you go against Walker Kessler. Um, me and Ben are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back for the final part of the podcast. All right, guys, we're back for our final part. Me and Ben have come up with three trades here that we think – could possibly happen and honestly like i said back at the beginning of the podcast it's just fun to speculate about nba possible trades and moves that could happen in the offseason so with no further ado let's do it ben i'll hop in here on my first trade my first trade i'm going to go back a little bit to kind of what i thought about look i think the pistons could end up making some moves so therefore kind of building off my last trade let's say the pistons acquired that number seven overall pick and they still have their number five. They moved the number five and the four pick to the Sacramento Kings. And in return, the Kings send them Jeremy Lamb and send them in return Jaden Ivey. Back to what I said, man. Look, 
I just think Jaden Ivey's on another level than all these guards. I think Ben Matherin is a damn good player. I think a lot of these guys are pretty good players. But I just think Ivy and Kate Cunningham gives you an absolutely unstoppable combo. Ivy's a sophomore as well, so he's been around the block a little bit. I think these guys could come in and instantly be his combo that could be competing for a playoff spot. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with anything that you just said. Um for my first one, I didn't do like a specific trade, but I talked about a team mm-hmm. that I think does a trade, and it's our Hawks. Okay. I, apparently, according to Woj, they've been the most aggressive team. I, I think I would honestly like – I don't know what they have to offer. They don't really have anything to offer. but John Collins. I, do, I would like to see John Collins pair up with Damian Lillard. Same. I wouldn't hate that at all. Um, actually, but I don't know what they give us. They have nothing. Ben, if you want to stay on our topic of the Hawks, I have two mock trades for the Hawks. If you want me to go ahead and drop them real quick. All right. Yeah, run through. So, guys, here's my first one. This is a three-part trade. Part one, the Hawks trade Clint Capella or John Collins to the Blazers for the number seven pick. Part two, whichever one the Hawks don't trade, they send they send alongside with Bogey, the number seven pick, the number 16 pick, the Hornets 2023 pick, and the Hawks number 2023 pick for Donovan Mitchell. That could be an interesting one right there with Utah. Um, then my other trade I have here, this one is more absurd, which I'm praying to God happens. The Hawks <laughs> trade one of Capella or Collins again to the Blazers for the number seven pick. Then the Hawks trade the other one plus Bogey, all four of those picks, and DeAndre Hunter to the Nets. For Kevin Durant. Oh, get out of here. That ain't happening. <laughs> hey, um, you never know, man. They don't get Kyrie. Kevin Durant's going to sit there. And it's almost like that picture of Will Smith where he's on a fresh or on fresh prints, you know, where there's nobody in where there's no furniture in the room. It'd be like that. My only issue with Donovan is like, who is this Hawks team going to stop if you have both those guys? Look, Donovan Mitchell was actually known for his defense when he came to the league. I think he won. He was shouldering too much of an offensive load, and they had a lot of defensive players like Ingles, the other bogey, Royce O'Neal, Rudy Gobert. You know, it's kind of like you're the offensive guy. Let them play the defense. You do your thing on offense. Then at the same time, though, I also feel like that he wasn't bought in anymore to what they were doing in Utah. Like, I felt like he didn't give a shit at the end of his career in Utah. Is he a, is he a good enough off-ball shooter? Because Trey's going to have the ball, pick and rolls. I mean, they're going to switch off with the ball in their hand. Yeah. Trey will learn how to play off-ball more with the help him. But Donovan's going to play more off-ball than he's ever had to do. Um, th- those would be my only concerns. I'm sure he's a good enough player to, like, yeah. adjust. Um, I mean, I don't hate getting Donovan Mitchell. I just I, – for some reason, I just fell in love with the idea of Zach Levine. Now, it sounds like he's re-signing with the Bulls. Yeah, but like, unfortunately. But I would have loved Zach Levine more Same. than Donovan Mitchell. Um but that's just I, me. My my second trade is it, it kind of touched on it earlier, but like the Kings could the, the draft starts with the Kings. Now there could be like a chance where a check goes three instead of two, but like the world ain't melted down. Yeah. The Kings have I think everyone calling them. So um I'd be interested to see like what they get if they give up the fourth pick, knowing that they're gonna take Ivy if they keep the fourth pick. Yeah, that's the thing, man. Is like I really don't know what they're gonna get in return, but my uh I kind of had an extra trade on here. And this one's interesting. If let's see what you think about this one, because it has to do with the Kings trading the fourth pick. This is the one I hinted at earlier. This trade is absolutely absurd, but I kind of thought about it a little bit more and I just thought it made too much sense. Sacramento Kings trade the number four pick in Davion Mitchell to the Wizards in return they to and and they would also have to include on that like Rashawn Holmes and may, or maybe like Harrison Barnes or like a couple contracts they don't want to pay. Obviously there'd have to be a couple pieces in between in there, but in return the wizards send them Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis. Think about it this way. Why it makes so much sense. At that point, the Kings have a big four. Now they have some bonus. They have um, Fox, then they have Beal, and they have Porzingis, and then they could have Harrison Barnes, Jeremy Lamb. Shoot, the Wizards could even throw in Corey Kispert to make the trade work out. You know what I mean? Or uh, Denny Adiva. Like, that could be their other starter. Then on the flip side of things for the Wizards, you get Jaden Ivey with the fourth pick. You get Davion Mitchell. 
you still have Hachimura. You still have those other guys we talked about earlier, the other young guys they have there. You still have your 10th pick, so you can still take like Jalen Duran or something like that. And then on top of having all that to build around, you are potentially the worst team in the NBA, and you're going to get your shot on Victor Wanyanyama. And, I mean, this entire class is stacked full of prospects next year for NBA. You get your chance at being one of the five worst teams in the league and make a pick. The Wizards need to get out of the mediocre where that they're stuck in between being like, you know, where they're like one of like the teams that barely misses the playoffs. They need to forget about that. They need to get rid of Bradley Beal. They need to call it quits on all that, get off of them, and they just need to go ahead and suck and rebuild completely. Yeah, I don't disagree, but it's hard when your star player, Bradley Beal, is like wants to play there. Like, yeah, but um, at the end of the day, I feel like that gives you more leverage to get more for him and get rid of him. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think it makes a lot of sense, too, for the Kings. I mean, that Kings team is definitely going to make the playoffs. Yeah, with that roster, yeah. I, I think there's two teams that should trade up, and I don't even think they should second question it because it would take their team to the next level. Yeah. The New York Knicks and the Charlotte Hornets. I think both rosters are not good enough. Yeah. I think I, both rosters can use a young player, mm-hmm. especially the especially the Knicks. Just they, they need to you gotta add someone young that can play to offset Julius Randle's big contract and getting mediocre stats from him. I think RJ Barrett's getting better and better. I think he's good. Uh their guard, their point guard play was very good last year. Um, what's his name? Not Derrick Rose, the other one, the young one from Kentucky. Oh, Quigley? Quigley. Yeah. was great for the Knicks. I think they got to get a young big man that can just play. Well, not really, but, like, Mitchell Robinson's going to be gone. Like, Julius Randle's, like, what, is he gonna, what are you going to get for him? Maybe he bounces back. Maybe he doesn't. But yeah. add another scorer to this team. I think the Hornets is a no-brainer. The Hornets have zero big men at all. Like, their big men are trash. Mm-hmm. Whoever their number one – um, like honestly, it like who's the best big man outside of the big three? Duran. Uh, yeah, I think Duran is unquestionably the next best big man in the draft. Or I guess Keegan Murray, if you consider him a big man. Yeah, well, I was considering him in the top three. I technically consider Paolo more of a three. Oh, okay. I was thinking like big three, as in like Paolo, Chet, and uh, whoever is like like right up there on their big mm-hmm. board that's outside of unless you can get a top three pick like i i think the hornets they need a big man so badly like i mean they could pick some pick a seven footer off the street and he's better than what they have i mean they currently have like don't they have like bismack biombo actually Plumley's not horrible but he like starts actually he is horrible i take that back they have like Plumley, bismack biombo bismack's actually on the suns now they literally have like Plumley, and that's it who is the other guy that i'm thinking of then P.J. Washington, I think, was their next Yeah, I'm not saying – not yeah. I mean, they're terrible at the big man position. I, I would trade up to go get something for them. I really would. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot, Ben, honestly. I really do. The Hornets have two picks in the late – in that I think they picked, like, 13 and 15. So like, Or they traded for, like, a Gobert. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I don't know. Like the they thing, need something. Well, the thing is, they're stuck with that contract that they have of Gordon Hayward – they could maybe sign and trade Miles Bridges for Gobert, which wouldn't be bad, but they really have to get rid of Gordon Hayward. I think the Hornets are interesting. They have a lot of assets. I think they're going to make some sort of move, whether we see Rozier go, whether we see Hayward go, whether we see those draft picks go. They're going to make some sort of move. I think the Knicks will be very active as well. I've seen them in a lot of rumors of making moves and stuff. Oh, like that, though. Let's put it this way, Ben. I think about – Remember when the Knicks were going to get Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Zion Williamson? Like, it's every year. Like, my Knicks fans just, they see the stuff on Twitter and they're like, this is laughable. It's yeah, every well, year. Well, you know, I don't necessarily think the Knicks are going to make a big move, but I think they're going to do something to move people around and try to free some money up and stuff. I think they're going to make, like, whether it's like, it's good, they're going to make some sort of moves. I really think that Thursday, about, Usually it's about that three to four o'clock window, you know, when work's starting to wind down. That's when the first trade happens. And after that, you'll see two or three other trades. And then after that, trades just start firing left after, you know, that first team. Then then you wait until the draft actually starts. And that first team within the draft that makes the trade, then they start coming in left, right. You know, then there's it's just trade palooza. I think there's going to be a ton of movement and stuff that we're not – like I think there's going to be a lot of trades. I'd, I'd call the Pelicans ask if they want to do a sign-in trade with Zion. 
I don't think Zion's on the move. I think the Pelicans like the position they're in right now. They have a nice young roster, and they're only gonna and they have this pick. You know, I think the Pelicans. I, I think the Pelicans. Do you believe be him that he's of, willing to stay there long term? Yeah, I think with Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, whoever they draft with this pick, the rest of the guys they have around him, uh, Jackson Hayes was playing well at the end of the season. I think the Pelicans got it, honestly. I'd like to them to bounce back. Yeah, I'd like to see them. I mean, that they're going to be a fun team to watch if Zion can be out there on the floor. I'm interested to see what happens. He's clear um, to play. Yeah, I could maybe see them trying to move Valanciunas, though. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he happens. He was solid for them. Yeah, he was. That's what I'm saying. His stock is as high as it's going to be. He only makes $15 million this year, 17 next year. I was actually trying to make a big-time splash trade with the Pelicans where they traded up to get Jade Nivey. I just couldn't think of a way to do it without giving up Ingram or give up, you know, one of those other guys. So, it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out, Ben. Anything else you uh, want to talk about before we get out of here? What do you think? What's the biggest need for the Hawks to take a, to get back to not saying get back to like where they were in the Easter conference finals, but like to get back to like competing as a, for a top five spot in the East. They need another playmaker who can have the ball in their hands and make plays besides Trey Young. Trey Young's really the only playmaker. Everybody else is in a starter much- role or a bench role. Either or, preferably though in a starter role. I think Trey needs a guy like Donovan Mitchell next to him, a guy who's not necessarily, you know, like a like a 10 assist point guard type guy, but a guy that's, you know, like a five assist kind of guy. Like they need a guy who can just initiate offense and get other people involved. I think that's their biggest issue. Interested to see what they do. Apparently they're being did you know Landry Fields is our GM? I did know Landry Fields our GM, and I'll okay. tell you this this much too. If he that. trades for Ruby Gobert and we're not getting multiple first round picks back in return for taking on Rudy Gobert, he's gonna have to catch me out back. I don't want Rudy Gobert at all. I'll do it if we get three first round picks. I like Capella. I like Capella more too, and Capella makes seventeen million as opposed to forty million. So that's a, that's what I'm Rudy saying. Rudy Gobert like, is like this great defender that gets exposed every year he plays in the playoffs. Exactly. Then also, and Draymond thing, called him out. Yeah, and the other thing, too, with Gobert is, like, I think they're asking such absurd prices because, like, one, look what ended up happening with Ben Simmons, and two, at the end of the day, if you take, if you already ask for lower stuff than a guy's worth, teams are just going to lowball you. If you start asking yeah. absurd prices, then whenever somebody offers you a reasonable trade, you know what I mean, then you're like, huh. But until there's a reasonable trade on the table, I don't see it happening. Um, anything else? That's all I got. All right. That's all we got today, guys. We appreciate everyone who tuned in. Um, be back next, maybe a post-draft podcast, but next week for sure there will be a yeah, massive let's do post-draft when we can give our grades like what we like and, and disagree with. All right, yeah, we're definitely going to do post-draft. It might be recorded the same night of. We'll see what happens. But once again, guys, we appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again soon.